This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back to the Danny Mac Podcast on Bet Rivers Network. Thank you for your time. I appreciated all of you who sent me your questions and comments on the podcast last week. And you say it there, it comes out here. One of you said, I'm enjoying it, but how about a little bit of unpredictability? How about every now and again getting another guy with strong opinions to talk about some different things that you've been talking about? And so I'd say, I got that covered for you. Dan Dockich, all things, all sports in Indianapolis. He's a region guy, played for Bobby Knight, coached at Bowling Green for a decade. You've probably seen him on ESPN or read about him <laughs> in some of his many broadcast <laughs> shows over the years. Doc, uh, as Chet would say, how am I doing so far? <laughs> hey, man, you and I, baby, if, if they're writing about it, it usually ain't good, but screw them. FBA yeah. is my motto, but I'll tell you what that uh, is I, off the air. Okay, I can, my mind is yeah. racing in a million different yeah. places. You know, I I love the draft this year, the NFL draft coming up, and I wish it were next week because I'm already sick of some of the scenarios being thrown around. But what I love about it is the Bears sitting at one and the Colts sitting at four. There's lots of reason for people who listen to my podcast and my terrestrial show to be interested in this. And I heard as early as just recently as this morning, I think it's the CBS, someone on CBSSports.com is speculating the Bears and Colts will swap picks and the Colts will draft a cornerback, a gigantic cornerback out of Florida with the number one. Please tell me they finally are going to draft a quarterback and stop this Band-Aid stuff Wait, year after year. did you year. say the Colts are going to get the number one pick and draft a cornerback? A cornerback. That's what somebody no speculated today. I, no I, I, what are you, the guy better be Lem Barney. No, right. uh, for those of you who don't right. know, he was a Hall of Famer with the uh, Lions yeah. many years. Yeah, he would have to be all world. I can't imagine passing no. on C.J. Stroud if he's there at four. Well, Can you? The, th- the thing, here, here's the deal. Um, the Colts, if they draft up, are 1,000% going to take a quarterback. Now, whether... You know, you want to listen to Jimmy Ursay, who said Bryce Young looks good, or you want to listen to others who say C.J. Stroud, or you want to listen to somebody that says, hey, look, after this week at the Combine, the guy who's really going to bump up is Anthony uh, was Richardson, the kid from Florida. Um, no, they will absolutely draft a quarterback if they are number one. And frankly, it would be a disappointment to me personally if they didn't at least make an offer, Danny, you know, to the Bears. I'm not saying, you know, it takes two to tango, obviously, but you got to make an offer. You got to say, look, 
and here's the deal. The Colts have, Danny, zero untouchable players. Zero. Quentin Nelson slipped, gave up five sacks this year. Uh, Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard, he, always drama. Uh, last year it was I fell out of love with the game. This year he gets hurt and he tries to be a politician. I got no problem if the Colts give both of them and the fourth pick to the Bears. Take the number one pick, get a quarterback, and to your point, stop this Band-Aid nonsense because the old guy coming in uh, hasn't worked and won't work unless maybe Aaron Rodgers. That'd be the only guy. Yeah, the Colts team that uh, we watched for the first 15 or 16 weeks two years ago, man, that, 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 that looked like they had something there when Jonathan Taylor was leading the league in rushing and everybody was healthy and interested on defense and how precipitously they have dropped staggering. What's been the reaction there to uh, 37-year-old former Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen getting the head job? You know, Danny, no juice, really. Um, I, I hate to say it, but really no juice. People were actually more more talking about Jeff Saturday, made a, hey, thank you, Colts fans, you know, and Steichen comes in and he's he's re, he's redone the staff, but it, there's no juice. Right now, people are looking at one thing and one thing only, Danny, and that is who is going to be the quarterback. The coach, great. Uh, you know, most people are excited right now about Indiana and Purdue getting into the NCAA tournament. Purdue winning the Big Ten, Indiana beating Purdue, that kind of thing. But there, there, it's not like Sean Payton came in here or somebody with, you know, a, a high, uh, you know, a high Q rating. It's kind of like, all right, you got your guy, great. Let's see if he can get a quarterback and let's see what they can do. You know, it's funny you mentioned Sean Payton a month ago. I was We were having this discussion. I said, why would Sean Payton work for Jimmy Ursay? You know, if you're an established guy with skins on the wall, you don't work for Ursay. <laughs> you probably wouldn't go to Washington and wound up being – that's definitely a position for a first-time head did coach you know, dying to get that chance. I agree with you. I don't disagree with you at all. But did you know that the Payton uh, – Sean Payton family is from northwest Indiana? I did. Did you have Morocco, yes. Indiana? I did. I, yeah. yeah, Morocco, yeah. right. Home of the Willow Slough uh, fish area. Well, my, yeah. My, uh, my high school classmates used to drive down there to drink beers in the cornfield. They'd be like, hey. Uh -huh. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's uh, It's been a place to go to catch a, a bass yeah. or a buzz yeah. over yeah. over the years. But I, I did know he had some uh. some history there. I saw you tweet something not too long ago about Jeff Saturday and how he submarined previous head coach Frank yeah. Reich. Can you amplify on that, Dan Dockage? Yeah, you know, they made a deal that that, that Saturday was, uh, you know, some kind of advisor to the Colts, which was total crap. And the reason they did it was because Saturday uh, had been backbiting, I call it backbiting uh, Reich. He did it when he was here to be into the – into the ring of honor. He, he, he talked to Ursay about his desire to be a coach and how he did not believe Reich uh, was handling the offense, particularly the offensive line very well. And it continued from there. So they came up at least what I've been told by pretty daggone good sources. They came up with a kind of a plan to exonerate anybody thinking that Saturday did not uh, backbite Reich. What they said was, well, you know, Ursay called him during the game and Saturday's an advisor, but he wasn't watching the game. Well, if you're an advisor and you're getting paid, what are you watching? You're watching on Sunday, particularly if you don't live there. So they came up with this deal. They backbit Reich. Ursay 
uh, got tired of Reich. He did not like the direction things were going, but he didn't want to go through a bunch of drama. He didn't like the coaches he had on staff. Or, in fact, actually, I've been told a couple of the coaches on staff said, no, we don't want any part of this. Uh, no question in my mind Saturday did that. Media around here, Danny, it's not Chicago. It's not New York. It's not Philly. It's it's exchange gifts with the head coach at the end of the year. You know, hope the head coach calls you by name and then go – you know, get a tissue in a bathroom and a and a bar and a you know a little tub of Jergens and you know have an afternoon. So <laughs> you know what I mean. All right. It's the softest media, and um, again, this is this is not like a a big secret. You know, nobody's really going to come out and say it, but I've been told by enough people that it's true, and I believe them. Okay, Dan Dockich, uh, he's got thoughts on many things, and. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago Purdue and Indiana and college basketball, and it might get off my lawn moment for the day. And we all are entitled to those. If we were born in the baby boomer, we can we can have a get off my lawn moment. I I I don't watch much college basketball. To me, the personalities are long gone. Bobby Knight and Gene Cady were were they fueled that rivalry, yeah. and for the most part, it was a healthy rivalry. Uh, I don't, I don't see it anymore. And granted, I don't watch a lot of the games, but I don't hear alums. When I go to places where people go to watch college basketball, there's not the same buzz. Can it ever return to that, or is it just my no, age? It passed me by. I, 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 I'm going to go yes and no. I went to the Purdue game um, on Saturday, and man, was it a great environment! I, I'm not going to lie. Holy hell! And I had a blast. Had beers with Louis Stefanovic. I don't know if you remember Louis from. Uh, Crown Point, he ended up uh, at, actually played at Maryville. His son Sasha played at Purdue last year. So Louie and I, we had some beers before the game, talked Indiana-Purdue. The crowd was great, but I got to tell you, football dominates. Football is king. Even, you know, Danny, when I had a show in Indianapolis, it, when I started out, it was Colts football, Indiana basketball, and everything else didn't really matter. Well, you know, fast forward my 14 years, it was Colts football. Look. Every day, Colts football. Indiana basketball, if they're good. Pacers, only if they're in the playoff. No one cares about Indiana, Purdue football. No one cares about Purdue basketball unless they're really good. The NFL is king. College football is even moving into Indiana. No, so my answer is no. And college basketball doesn't really have – you think about the NBA. Whether you like the NBA or not, you live in a big city, NBA is great, whatever – but they got a show, Charles Barkley and those guys. Man, it, you know, you, a guy may watch just for that. There's nothing interesting about college basketball except for you get to make out a bracket during March. And that's sad <laughs> to me, right? I mean, look, Purdue won a Big yeah. Ten title. That's a big deal. Used to be. Now it's like, yeah, what are they going to do in March? March has overshadowed it. The NFL has overshadowed it. College football has overshadowed it. And college basketball, I hate to say it because it's my, I love it. It's, it's fallen a bit by the wayside, except for March. Yeah, and if you're an older Purdue fan, you, you can't help but be a little bit jaded oh. by the history. What if they made it to two Final Fours and the last was Russell Cross, no, I think? No, 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 no. They, they, they made – last one was 1980. Joe Barry Carroll was getting it done. Joe Barry Carroll, yeah. yes. Yeah. And prior to that, Rick Mount. Rick Mount, prior, prior to that. <laughs> So, hey, Dan, uh, Joe I, Barry Carroll. I always say in central Indiana, there's three kind of fan bases for basketball. Indiana University. Hey, look, 
When we beat Chicago State on a Sunday in November, we think it's banner number six, baby. We're the best team. Mm-hmm. You know, when Purdue wins 10 in a row, they're like, oh, man, the sky is going to fall. Holy crap. Something bad is going to happen here. And when Butler, when you talk to Butler fans, they're like smarter than everybody, right? Well, we got the Butler way. And, <laughs> and Brad, the circumference of the ball is such like, – shut the hell up. So – we got three fan bases. Purdue knows a collapse is coming. Indiana, if they win the first round against Wyoming, they're going to think it's banner number six and Purdue smarter or a, a Butler smarter than everybody. It's not. <laughs> uh, last basketball question I got for you, and it's it's fun to catch up with you. We should do this more. I, I read several accounts today of Damian Lillard's weekend. Um, 71 points and then immediately asked to drug test. Random drug <laughs> testing is starting to piss off NBA players. And for years, the NBA has been very lax about weed. What are What's the NBA looking for? Why have they taken this turn to, uh, to start asking guys? It's, it's performance yeah, enhancing. Yeah. It usually has followed in recent months. Yeah outstanding performances when you posterize a guy you're going to check your blood after the game really it's all performance enhancing nba look if the nba got weed oh boy if the nba got rid of weed and adderall the nba wouldn't exist right there would be nobody there uh so yeah performance enhancing drugs and it's really interesting danny and you live in a you know a big market and there i have always had executives coaches in the nba Back when Sammy Sosa and the fellas, you know, were doing their thing, you know, with the needle, I always mm-hmm. had NBA guys. I don't know why we don't check our guys for it. He goes, you ever see our guys' bodies? You ever see our guys' stamina? You ever see our guys' shoulders? You know, you, I mean, come on. So I, I think that because of the of – the, um, everything is based on being sued. You don't want to get sued, Right. So I've been told that based on that uh, and because of the long-term health uh, negatives of roids, that that's what they're looking for because they don't want people coming back 20 years later like we've seen in the NFL and saying, look, you know what? I got this. You knew about it. I'm suing. And that's what I've been told. Doesn't mean I'm right, but that's what I've been told by most people. That's Dan Dockett, a former Andrean 59er, uh, a guy I've known for a number of years, never never lacks for opinions. And I, I would think his thought up top about the Colts drafting a corner if they were to make that deal with the Bears and swap out would would have Indianapolis fans discontinuing with their season tickets. They would be at the gates with pitchforks and torches, and you'd have to understand why. They need a quarterback. And I don't know if C.J. Stroud is going. It looks like the Texans love Bryce uh, Bryce Young from Alabama and will take him with the number two. I don't know how you pass on C.J. Stroud. And if I'm the Texans, I've got long thoughts about a guy who weighs 190 pounds and is shorter than Drew Brees was, by the way. And that's all going to come out in the wash this week when they get to the combine. When players start showing up for their visits, And working out for teams, it's all very, very exciting. And I was listening to some sports talk this morning. And uh, I was listening to Cap and Hoodie on ESPN 1000. Those guys are a fun listen for me. I like them a lot. I think there's, there's a lot about what they do on their show that is why people are drawn 
to sports radio and tend to stay with one show versus another, and that is the welcome on in factor. Not every show has that. Theirs does. So they welcomed me in on my way to the gym today, and they were taking phone calls, and this is a reason why taking phone calls sometimes can be a real disaster. And they were having some callers battle with each other on differing opinions. We used to call that King of the Hill in the early days of the score. And sometimes it produced real good stuff. And sometimes it was a disaster. And there was a guy who was suggesting the Bears don't need to do anything about their defense in the first round of the draft. And when you trade that first pick down, don't you dare go get the pass rusher, Will Allen. Don't find the most destructive defensive tackle or the best, you know, edge linebacker. Wait, wait, just do not pick defense, this guy. And then he says, look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl. There was no defense in that game. No, there wasn't. 38-35, not a real good Super Bowl if you love defense. How did they effing get there, dummy? How, you know, and I don't mean to go Dan Bernstein on a caller that's not even my own, but let me go Dan Bernstein on the caller. The Philadelphia Eagles were were third in the month since they began tracking sacks. The Eagles posted the third highest total in league history this year. They had four, four pass rushers who recorded more than 10 sacks. The Bears concluded the year by losing 10 straight games, the worst record in the league at 3-14, and 14, have the number one pick in the draft because they had nobody. Largely, the reason they lost was they did not have a pass rush. That was the number one weakness on the Bears. So how in the world can you say you cannot consider committing that first-round pick to a pass rusher? I don't know enough about Will Anderson or any of these other MFers to tell you who's the best guy. I don't know yet. I haven't done that much draft prep, and I don't watch college as much as I used to. I'm ill-qualified. But what I do know is this. If you don't have a guy who wrecks opposing quarterbacks, a guy who doesn't use their head for a seat cushion regularly, you don't have a chance in the NFL. So as I texted to Hoodie and Cap, enjoying the show? Stop saying. Stop taking calls. Don't take calls. Or at least don't take calls from that guy again. I don't care about the defense. Look at those teams in the Super Bowl. That was no defense. Oh, stop it already. Adam Schefter told the boys that Ryan Poles is in the most impactful position in the NFL in the offseason. He's right. There's a lot of money to be passed around to free agents. Unfortunately, there aren't any good ones that you really want a long-term commitment to at wide receiver, one of your most glaring needs. That's, again, where you can commit some resources to a pass rusher. They got two or three guys on defense you feel okay about. And that's the, you know, maybe you feel more optimistic about the rookies last year who did a nice job, uh, the DBs. But that's where it ends, really. I mean, you don't, there's not much reason to be optimistic about anybody in the front seven. None. None of them. There's... So I'm getting all worked up, and it's damn end of February. Schefter's right. With that number one pick, Ryan Poles is the man of the offseason. Man, I wish I could get to a combine one of these years. I got a a friend, my former uh, agent, Brian Harlan, on his way down to Indianapolis today. I like Indianapolis. I've not done anything at Lucas Oil Stadium since they opened the doors 
been way too long since I've seen some friends of mine down there. A trip in late December was canceled, but it's not going to be this week either. So, uh, or next week, because uh, the combine goes on for a while. I'd love to, uh, you know, I'll let you know about it. Here's a good NFL rumor I heard years ago. This is, this is how dirty the game can be played at the combine. There was an agent, not of renown, not somebody whose name you would know, but an agent, and this goes back a while, at least 15 years ago, and maybe the story was as, long, as old as 10 years at the time because the person who was involved wasn't very involved much anymore. So it was a little bit dated when I got this story 15-ish years ago. There was an agent who would do the best he could to sabotage the clients of rival agents at the same position, his clients. He's got a client who grades out somewhere near, okay, his guy from Georgia Tech, and who's, okay, there's a guy from Washington State, same position. Uh, he's expected to go maybe a pick or two high. So what do you do if you're the agent of the guy who's flirt? You pay a woman, you pay a prostitute to take him out the night before he has tests. You find some, this actually happened. There was a guy who actually, the charges were never pressed against this guy, but he didn't keep his job very long once word got out of this because he apparently pulled it off at a couple of combines. And I cannot report to you what the results were, whether it was a swing and miss or whether he homered and a guy who uh, had a little nighttime fun the night before he ran the cones uh, or, or uh, jumped up and down off box tops. If that threw him off, uh, you know what they used to say, it weakens your legs. I, I have no idea how these guys managed to fare after that but i think man people will people will stop at nothing to uh, to better their position to line their pockets the world is full of charlatans isn't it um i did not get to the theater this weekend and i knew it was a, sh- a very short window to see cocaine bear i am fascinated by it uh, i i'm interested too in seeing the development of Elizabeth Banks as a director. If you don't know her name, you certainly know her face. She was the woman who played Beth in 40-Year-Old Virgin who worked at the bookstore uh, when Andy, played by Steve Carell, was flirting with a woman. He did it successfully for the first time in his life with Beth by asking questions. That was the suggestion. Seth Rogen's character, Cal. That's Elizabeth Perkins. She also was in... Seabiscuit, she played Jeff Bridges' second wife after his son tragically was killed uh, when he drove the dad's truck off the road. Son was a young man, but they lived on a gorgeous piece of land in the middle of nowhere, and there was an accident, and his son died, and Elizabeth Banks then became... She's an attractive woman. She was miscast, I thought, a little in that role. She just didn't appear worldly enough for Jeff Bridges' character, but she was sweet and everything. She's a good actress, and now she's doing some directing. I saw something she did, a piece she did for the bizarre uh, 2013 comedy movie 43 recently, and, uh, oh, man, I'll save that for another day. But Cocaine Bear cost, I read, $35 million to make, and globally it's it made almost 30 million dollars already this weekend it made i think around 27 million if i remember right in america so it almost has paid for itself and now it's out of theaters and now 
it will have to be done via the stream. And it's better than nothing because I've bitched about not getting the chance to see Oscar nominated pictures at the movies. I really prefer the communal experience. I like if it's not too violent, I will take my autistic son, Patrick, to the movies. He loves going. The popcorn is always great. I get you out of the house. I spend a lot of time at the house. I work at the house. I write at the house. Um, maybe that's why working out has been so much fun. It just gets you out of the house. And by the way, New Year's resolutioners, chop, chop, get back to it. Parking lot half empty at the YMCA on uh, Saturday afternoon. The building formerly known as Omni 41 now is the Y. Same facilities. It's run great. It's inexpensive. We go there to walk, go there to do the arm bike, to continue to rehab the brachial plexus nerve network, open to play golf at least from 175 yards in this year. But Cocaine Bear, back to why I called the show today. Cocaine Bear is, it, it, it sounds bizarre that a, a, a this 800-pound bear gets into a big supply of cocaine and goes on a cocaine rampage. I'm curious. I I always, I'm not proud of this, but it's being forthright with you. I always have enjoyed drug movies. It's not coincidental or accidental that they end tragically because as I've seen with friends, as I have flirted with in my life, once you get on that, that highway of, yeah, I like the way this makes me feel. It's difficult to find the exit ramp. And I, I don't, I don't believe it's healthy for some who are recovering to engage in war stories. They try to dissuade you from that when you get trained by mental health professionals and people who are trained counselors or people who are veterans in a 12 step program. It's best not to romance your drug days. And that's what those movies do and do so well. And it always has made me curious how so many actors seem to know the behavior. Colin Farrell sells cocaine use like no other actor in the movie in Bruges. He looks jacked up. Um, And I don't mean the kind that Tom Jackson used to give us on ESPN uh, on Sunday nights. I mean the kind that, you know, involves a straw and a run to an ATM machine. Actually, that's a redundancy. The ATM machine machine? ATM is all you need to say. Automated teller machine. I've already said machine. Don't say ATM machine, Dan. $10 kangaroo court fee. Fine. So I'm looking forward to seeing Cocaine Bear whenever that may be. It sounds kind of bizarre, but I don't I don't mind the bizarre so much, actually. I watch a lot of weird movies. When I find a movie that has a single-digit rating on Rotten Tomatoes, I like to challenge myself. I like to say, okay, only 4% of the world thought you were anything worth spending an hour and 48 minutes. I'm going to find out what the other 96% thought it missed. And I, I try to watch. And I have stumbled across, actually, some very entertaining movies that way and the most recent one was this movie 43 i'm not going to recommend it uh with passion but if you love sophomoric humor if you love toilet talk you know all things bodily function 
it's a stoner movie personified, and I, I wouldn't think it'd be good for date night. Probably not your best bet if you're going to sit down on the couch with your wife or your girlfriend. I doubt they would be along for the ride. But I don't know your girlfriend's taste. You know, maybe there are, maybe there's a woman in your life just like Anna Ferris was for Chris Pratt in movie 43. And I'll just leave you with, with that thought. Still watching the rumors and when they're going to become reality on Patrick Kane's imminent trade to the New York Rangers. Former Blackhawk Jeremy Roenick has promised us, and when I say us, I mean you too, he will try to get on the phone with us and uh, and give us his thoughts on the deal, what the Hawks get in return, talking about Kane's legacy in Chicago. He is probably, he's on the medal stand. He's easily on Mount Rushmore. Medal stand only three. You have to knock someone. I don't have a fourth in Blackhawks history for the four greatest American players. I have several nominees for the fourth face that goes up on the mountain, but I am not I am not conclusive on any of them. The three obvious ones are Patrick Kane and Jeremy Roenick and Chris Chelios. Um, my opinion is Kane is the gold medalist of that group. Chris Chelios is the silver medalist. Jeremy Roenick is the bronze medalist. If you're going to add a fourth person to that, who is it? Is it Eddie Olchek because of contributions made to the team more so as a broadcaster and an ambassador than as a player? Scored 29 goals. That was the high watermark of his career. Wayne Press and Eddie, of course, is a St. Rita guy, right? He's Brother Rice. I'm sorry. Ooh, don't get the wrong Catholic League affiliation. He went to Brother Brother Rice. And uh, Wayne Presley was from Detroit. He was the first Hawks player, American-born, to score more than 30 in a year. Roenick's career, he played in that era. He was in the sweet spot when goal scoring was, was easier. I'm not going to say easy, but it was easier. And he did get to 50 goals with the Blackhawks twice, one of only three guys in the history of the franchise to get there. Bobby Hall did it several times. Ronick twice, and Al Secord, number 20, a tough guy, also scored more than 50 in a season. That's it. Uh, Patrick Kane's high water mark was 46, and that was after the three cups by a couple of years. He only was in the 40s twice in his career, but he tallied 446 career goals in the NHL, all in a Hawks uniform. Ronick's 513 career goals were spread out over a lengthy career, a 20-ish year career, and he wore six different sweaters. So a um, couple of them only for a, a short period, but um, I think San Jose was a real shortstop for JR. Also played for the Kings. I mean, he he moved around quite a bit near the end, but uh, Chris Chelios, one of the greatest defensemen who also had good offensive skills, but was a solid defenseman. Also, um, also absolutely worthy of the silver on that medal stand. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Dan Dockich in Indianapolis for joining me uh, today. Joining us on the show, Adam Delavid is the guy who's in charge of all this at Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thanks, Adam. And to Sam Michael for producing the show. I'll be back Thursday, possibly sooner if there is hockey news. Have a great week. I'm Danny Mac. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.